The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. We're going to run the 40 in fast so well, i have well, to come say on, it's fast. fast well how fast i don't want i don't want to throw any numbers out there but what's fast um i would say fast is is in the four threes and unders oh man oh seriously give me just a rough idea of what you're shooting for when you run the uh court. five two five two five two and low five two and below i've uh, really been working hard to try to clock this four four i mean that's something that you know i really spent a lot of time on it's really a lot of technical work um, you're not going to really get too much faster, but that start is a real technical uh, thing, and you want to make sure that you're hitting all of the key points. Just a few of the guys we talked to last week who each of them, Chris, Isaiah Simmons, Mekhi Becton, and Jonathan Taylor did better than they wanted to do. See, set the bar at a level where you know you can come in under it, and they all did. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to you. I got to say two things. First, Here's the thing. Once you get through the agony of being sick with either stomach bug or I think you had food poisoning, on the other end of it, it's like one hell of a diet because you look like 15, 20 pounds lighter after the after the last time I saw you. I'm serious. I mean, and, and I've had that bug before or food poisoning. I've had both. On the other end, hey, man, I'm svelte now. This is good. It's not not the ideal weight loss plan, but once you're healthy... You run with it. Well, I, I guess, but you're right. I, I probably, lo- I bet you I lost like somewhere between six and eight pounds last week. And like, I, I'm still, even though I feel better, like I feel a hundred percent, my stomach is still not normal. Like I, I bet you over the last six days, I've eaten like six meals. So uh, yeah, it's the new diet plan, but either way, I do feel a lot better. I'm sorry about that last week. It really, it hurt my heart that I couldn't be there. Uh, one, because I like doing the show with you. Two, it's a cool event. Three, 
I like to see these guys in person. It's a sometimes it's the only chance I get to see them in person, and it is part of your evaluation, the the look test, as you know. Like Isaiah Simmons, I'm sure he walked on the the the, the studio there or the set floor, and you probably went, "Whoa, that's pretty impressive looking guy." Now, if he puts up numbers to go along with that, I have this mental picture of the man, and now I've seen the freakish athlete on the field, and I missed that part of it. And of course, he was uh, amazing in his work out as well and he probably looked like a freaking person too the most pleasant surprise of last week was with this reconfiguration of the schedule players were in the room while we were on the air and the NFL did a great job of bringing these guys around somewhere between 20 and 30 of them and it was great to be able to talk to them it was a platform make sure they realize they're on live TV this is their chance to give the world an opportunity to know who they are you know they have to feel like robots when they're at the combine they're all wearing the same clothes with numbers on them it's a very dehumanizing experience. You're standing around waiting to be poked and prodded by doctors. You go through this gamut of interviews where they're trying to upset you to see how you react. I think they had fun, and I wanted to, to let them have a good memory of the process, and the fact that you weren't there probably made it a better memory. Yeah, well, thank you very much. That's very nice <laughs> of you to say. <laughs> let me say this. Let me say this before we move on to business, because you gave me a hard time. For those of you who didn't see the two minutes at the beginning that are TV only and are just listening on radio or podcast— Chris challenged me last week that I couldn't bench press 125 pounds 20 times. As soon as I got home from Indy on Thursday, I went straight to the gym. My wife filmed it. My dog Macy was the spectator. And Chris was giving me a hard time because I didn't even like hug and kiss my wife before I went down to do it. I was obsessed with doing it. And it wouldn't have mattered because she thought I was carrying whatever you had. She wouldn't come close to me. And here's the example of how concerned she was. On Thursday night, I touched the remote control on the TV in the family room. So she took a Clorox wipe and scrubbed it down. And then she put it in a plastic bag. Wow. That's how, that's the level that she, she was not going to get. What you had. Well, she, she wasn't was concerned, concerned about you coughing up the it. black lung like the three to four weeks before that. Was she doing that then? That's where I want to be like, what the heck, Jill? I mean, I know I got sick, but you were sitting with a guy who was like coughing up bronchitis for three weeks. She didn't seem to be, you know, overreacting then. It makes it feels like it's kind well, of personal towards me, Jill. She, she, <laughs> she, she learned the hard way. She should have because she ended up getting it as well. Okay. But there is a huge okay. difference between getting a cold and having whatever you had last week that caused you to tap out in the middle of a segment grab the trash can and barely get out of the view of the camera before yeah exactly all right uh important things to talk about now that we've handled all of that but really i am i'm glad you're okay I, I, i'm because look to travel all that way Ugh. and to have it derailed after one day right. sucks it does and we would have had we would have had a lot of fun if we're both going tag team on these guys, right. I think we would have drawn out their personalities even more. We yep. were, you know, with the, the first day when we did it, it was great. Uh, so we did what we could the last two days, and we'll get to do it next year unless they fire one or both of us. All right. Uh, what's your takeaways from the scouting combine workouts? Full transparency. I watched some of it on Thursday night. Yeah. I don't like that they move these things to later in the day because later in the day, I got other stuff to do. <laughs> I've been working all day. I'm not going to watch these combine workouts because it's not football. Sorry, put them on in the morning again. I'll put them on while I'm working. But I'm not making my life come to a halt 
on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, late afternoon, evening, and late into the evening to watch a bunch of guys running around in their underwear. I refuse to do it, Chris. Well, I don't refuse to do it. I do like that it's at nighttime. You're right. All right. So, you know, full transparency. My mom and dad had their 40th uh, wedding anniversary on Saturday night. We Happy went- anniversary. Happy, Happy anniversary. anniversary. Dirty Diana and Big Phil. That's right. Yes. But so I went there. But then it's nice to know you have a nickname for your mom. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. I can't leave her at out. At least you can. At least you can use that nickname on TV. <laughs> I can. I can use that one. Uh, but yeah. So I DVR it. And then the next morning I wake up and, you know, Sunday morning I sit there and have a coffee and start eating my breakfast and watch the combine. My, my big takeaway, you know, more than anything, I do like it being in prime time. You know, I did, especially Thursday and Friday night. I found that enjoyable. I was just sitting around the house, not doing much. Okay. So that aspect of it was fun. And I just, yeah, feel- you were recovering from the well, bubonic you're right. plague. That's you're right. why. Well, you're right. I mean, if I, if I was feeling healthy, I don't know how it would have felt on a Friday night, but either way, it mel- felt like more of a show and an event. And I think my big takeaway would be one, first off, probably this guy right here, Justin Herbert, right? He would be one guy I would look at and just go, wow, you know, was the workout perfect? No, but he showed me signs of being able to do extraordinary things, extraordinary physical talent and the ability to make very hard throws, make it look very normal. So that would be one thing that would jump out to me as far as the quarterback's wide receiver workout where I'd go, wow, hey, of course we know Henry Ruggs and the 427 and all that. But the other day, the other guy that I think that first night that would jump out to me other than Justin Herbert would be Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. I think that would be the second guy on my list. I mean, come on, right, Mike? I mean, there's just not a lot of guys walking around planet Earth. Calvin Johnson. Right. Calvin Johnson. Right. And, you know, I've seen the guy in person over the years. So if you're talking about two guys that I said, wow, and I think maybe improved their stock, you know, those would be two right off the bat just on that Thursday night workout where Chase Claypool – he, he put himself into the position of weapon now going forward. It's not even wide receiver because I think some people look at him and go, I think he could be a tight end and we can move him around like that. And he's physical like that. So he's going to have a lot of play, I think, going forward. And then getting into Friday, let me tell you, the, the guy that, that was one of the most impressive, one of the most fun to talk to, the most engaging on Wednesday, Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, to blaze a four three nine, and and how infrequent is it that the unofficial number ends up being worse right? than the official number? Usually, the official number goes up. So four four one unofficial, you're bracing for the four 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 five. It goes to four three nine official, faster than Saquon Barkley by one hundredth of a second. The guy's two hundred and twenty plus pounds. He had six thousand yards rushing in three seasons at Wisconsin. This guy's got the potential to be something at the NFL level, and he is a great talker fun yeah, guy to talk to right. very engaging jersey very guy animated, naturally funny right yes <laughs> yes yes i i know I, I got to see a little of uh your interview with him on thursday and stuff he is he's got a great personality about him and you know mike i think you would agree that that's that's a game-changing number for that position that will make him be looked at in a different light when people turn on the film you know hey everybody knows wisconsin running backs everyone's a little scared every now and then oh they have a lot of wear and tear in their tires they run the ball a lot blah 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 yeah I get it but I think that is they type a number at 439 like you said at 226 where 
that is going to put him back up into that. I feel like DeAndre Swift was kind of like the leader of, oh, that's the number one running back on the board. When you do what Jonathan Taylor did, that's going to make everybody go back and go, oh, I'm not so sure about that now. Well, this guy is a little more explosive than, you know, I thought and gave him credit for. And it's going to make everybody take a little closer look when they watch the film, you know, to see if that totally translate, which I think it does. And, you know, it's funny. I think that that speaks to what the value of a good combine workout is. When it's time to retreat to the real evidence of whether or not a guy can play football, you look at him differently. You've got a positive bias when you're watching the film instead of saying, ah, this guy ran a 4-5-2, and you're looking for the things to be critical of. Now when you're watching the film, you're looking for the things to be positive about. You you are. It changes your outlook on the film. You're right. And now when he runs away from people, you're not going to go, oh, well, was that just some, you know, Big Ten slow linebacker? Now you're going to go, no, I I don't know. I don't know who that was, but I know he's fast, and it doesn't really matter anymore. And when he breaks out for 40 and 50-yard gains, you're going to go, well, he's a home run hitter. You know, he's not just a power back. So, yeah, I thought those were three guys, you know, in those first two nights that really jumped out to me. Along with some other ones, Mike, we interviewed that De- uh, Denzel Mims on Tuesday. Uh, or what was that last Tuesday, right? The wide receiver yes. from Baylor. He would be another guy I would look at. He told us he's, you know, his, his Michael Thomas was his idol. He told us he was going to run really fast. He did. I mean, that's another guy that I look at and go, that's a game changing number for somebody who's 6'2", 215, and you run 4'4 four, four flat. You know, no longer are you just a really good, polished, oh, I like this kid receiver. Now you go to, whoa, I can do other things with him on my offense. If you're an offensive coordinator or an evaluator to go, he could take off the top of the defense. We can make a whole set of plays that are aggressive down the field around that type of speed. Uh, so he would be one that jumps out as well. A lot of sub 4-4 four, four receivers, Man. just two got under 4-3. And how about linebacker Isaiah Simmons? We talked about Ooh. him earlier. 4-3-9 in the 40. He would catch Jonathan Taylor if he'd been one of those linebackers in the Big Ten. And, and you know, with all these great skill position players on offense coming into the NFL now, you get a linebacker who can move like that, you got yourself something special. Yes, you do. I mean, and it's like, okay, yeah, he plays linebacker. And, Mike, I know you watch Clemson enough, like – this guy is everywhere. I mean, it's it's stand-up linebacker. It's outside linebacker. It's nickelback. It's safety. I mean, he's really got a versatility that I, I don't know if I've really any, ever seen anybody come into the league with. That's, that's where it's that special on defense. I think one of the negatives about him will end up being – Okay, he, a little bit like Minka Fitzpatrick a few years ago in the Alabama secondary. It's going to be like, wow, he can play them all so good. What exactly is his position? Now, I think stand-up linebacker will be that. But, yes, like Chase Claypool, when you're 238 pounds and you're running, you know, you know this is 439, yeah, that, that's, that's top 10, top 12 pick material. Isaiah Simmons with that workout pretty much nailed his spot down in the top 10 or 12. What other big picture observations did you make when you watched the workouts on on see you, you kind of cheated there. You need to watch it live, Christopher. You're I know. watching it the next morning, but either way you watched it, what else stood out? Well, I, you know, I, I mean, a few of the different drills, I guess I would look at and go, I, I like them. You know, I like some of the new DB drills. I like the fade away or the, the fades in the back of the end zone uh, type throws that the, the quarterbacks and receivers did. I do. I, I, you know, I thought that in general, 
the the quarterback receiver route running stuff I thought was smoother and it let quarterbacks get a little bit more in a rhythm than years before where you know I just years before it's two throws or one throw go to the back of the line okay see you later you know I felt like this year they let them have three four throws in a row get them in a rhythm keep it going that way I think you have a better chance of evaluating these quarterbacks when they do it that way instead of just one throw or two throws and move to the back of the line all right, quick break. When we return, the story that continues to dominate the National Football League. Where will Tom Brady be dun, playing dun, in dun. 2020? He gave us some evidence. I think he's loving every minute of this, and we will decipher and try to discern what transpired on Saturday when he went to a college basketball game with Julian Edelman and, yes, Jimmy Fallon. That's next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Oh, hashtag Tommy, where are you going to be two weeks from now when the window opens to negotiate a new contract? And then two days after that, when it's time to potentially sign, unless you visit with a bunch of different teams. People are all over the place on this one. The reporting feeding frenzy in Indianapolis and one report says this team's interested. Another report says that team's not interested. I don't know where any of this is going to go, Chris, but it got very interesting over the weekend because I am a firm believer yeah. that Tom Brady loves every second of this, and he's earned it. 20 years in the NFL. That's right. Six Super Bowl championships. The guy's 42, and he's the only player we're all talking about. I mean, think of it this way. He goes to the North Carolina-Syracuse game on Saturday, sits in the front row with Julian Edelman and Jimmy Fallon. I can't recall another time where Tom Brady shows up at a college basketball game in the past 20 years and sits in the front row. Maybe he has. Definitely not. But I can't think of when it. He, when, he, when he does it now against the background of where is he going to be in 2020, it's a big deal. And he knows it's a big deal. And then Julian Edelman does the, he's coming back, he's coming back, and slaps him on the back like he knows. Like it's when the sidekick knows he's crossing the line. Edelman knew he was crossing the line, and then everybody's trying to read lips on Tom Brady to figure out what the heck he said in response. It really was kind of a bizarre, surreal moment, and it caught fire over the weekend because some people think, that in response to Julian Edelman saying he's coming back, Tom Brady said he's not. There are different interpretations of what Brady actually said, and uh, it's it's going to continue. As we get closer and closer to March 16 and then March 18, this is going to continue, and it's only going to end when Brady signs a contract, whether it's with the Patriots before March 16 or with someone else after March 18. Yeah, no, I mean, first off, you're right. It's very rare to see Tom Brady in those type of settings. I mean, I feel like even when the Boston Celtics were winning NBA championships and NBA finals games in that, I feel like I only remember seeing them at like one of those games through the years. So it's rare to see them there like that. Uh, but he has earned it. You're right about that. I mean, come on. He's a legend. I I'm really intrigued. And I, you know, again, Mike, you, you know, I know a lot of people in the NFL and things like that. I don't think anybody's got a feel for where this thing's going quite yet. You know, I think right now, if you still made me bet money and said, Chris, you got, you know, a thousand dollars, you got to do something. I'd still bet he goes back to the New England Patriots. I would think they might swoop in there. Now, here's one thing I did learn at the combine from some people I trust this 
Tom Brady, this next move is not about money. That was one thing I was told a few different occasions, Mike. He's not looking to break the bank and be $30 million. In fact, I've heard it's almost the opposite. He'll take $20 million and be good, and they'll have a team around him. So when I hear things like that, that makes me think, okay, then he's going, this is a legacy thing. He's going to go to a good team. And who that is, I don't know. But I know it's not like the New York Giants. When I hear teams like that, I go, that's just false. He's not going to go to a team or the Miami Dolphins. And then that's where it makes me think even more is, okay, the Tennessee Titans, you know, maybe the, maybe the Chargers, maybe the Colts. Is there some other team out there that we're not aware of that there were him and his agent are working the back channels with? I mean, that's where I think I'm intrigued right now but but from everything I learned from some people I really trust it's not about breaking the bank well and that would be great news for a team that would be making the move for Brady for business reasons like the Chargers because it will sell tickets to the new stadium it will sell jerseys and he could insist on breaking the bank if he's going to take 20 right when he could push for 40 and and I think that he's worth 40 when you consider the total value he brings to a sure. franchise that would be a huge coup if someone can pull it off and look you know if he stays in New England and he's willing to take that amount of money he's going to want a clear plan I would assume yeah as to how they're going to make the team better around him because last year it wasn't no uh, and and you know I, I think you know I, I would hope that that would stand true with the New England Patriots too that he wouldn't he wouldn't ask for a king's ransom there I think he's very aware you know I, I still go back to this Mike and and you know I, I've said this a million times you know, one, I think there's a part of them that would love to prove, hey, I can win a championship without Bill Belichick. And that's probably why he's trying to sell himself for the low to go. I'm going to go. I'll go to a team. You're not. We don't have to ruin the team. In fact, we can make it better because I'll take the low and do all that. But two, I think one of his biggest yearnings is still something I said during the season. He wants to be that icon that has seven rings. He wants to beat Michael Jordan. Then he's the all time American icon ringleader, right? And I still think that's very real to him. And I think that's a goal to him. That's, you know, I don't know that for sure, but I feel like Listen, I would be that way. You know what it all points to if that's the case, right. if that's the standard, if that's the objective, it points to the San Francisco 49ers. That's the one team. It's the team he grew up rooting for. They are ready to go. They would have won the Super Bowl last year if he was the quarterback instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's the ultimate way to stick it to his former understudy. Yeah. That's the call he needs to make if that's what he wants. We'll be right back. Matthew Stafford, Detroit Lions quarterback, has been the subject of rumors and reports of a possible trade, and the Lions have done everything they could to knock it down. It bubbled up again on Friday. Mike Silver of NFL Network said that there are coaches and GMs at the scouting combine that believe this all started because Stafford wants out, and that prompted the most definitive statement yet from Stafford's camp. His wife, Kelly, who, who suggested a few weeks ago that if the Lions are done with Matthew Stafford, they'd like to play for the Lions. She came out and said he doesn't want out. He wants to stay with the Lions. Tom Condon, his agent, told Silver that Matthew Stafford doesn't want out, so it has been put to rest. So, with the news that Matthew Stafford wants to stay in Detroit, it's fill in the blanks time, Chris. Matt Stafford has blank seasons left as a member of the Detroit Lions. Well, oh, I, you know, it, I want to say one seasons left, or I want to say I don't even know how to fill in the blank here with this. I want to say pending on how this season goes. I mean, that's really where I want to want to like 
really answer it. I think Matt Stafford's career in Detroit, a lot is going to be dictated by how this season goes. I do, yes. I think that if they go to the playoffs, he saves Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn's job, does that, then Matt Stafford's going to be there for a few more years after that. I think that if they don't go to the playoffs and it's, you know, a 7-9 type year, that it's going to be all over in Detroit. I think Matt Stafford will be on another team and Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn will be gone as well. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think it depends on how the season goes. I really do. I think this will dictate how many more years he has left in Detroit I agree with you completely because if they clean out everything after this season it could be that a new coach a new GM decides we need a new direction we need to go in a different way we need to find a new quarterback we've had this guy since 2009 it hasn't gotten us to where we want to be they haven't won a playoff game since 1991 for crying out loud I agree with you at least one more season is what I would say and it's to be determined and we can't get away from the chatter about them taking Tua Tonga-Vailoa with the third overall pick. When Vegas makes the Lions and the Dolphins the co-favorites from a betting perspective to take Tua Tonga-Vailoa, that makes me think they know something. And and it would seem very odd if they do it, and it wouldn't be a move aimed at winning now. But, man, if they do that, it is one more season for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean, if they do that, I, I would think, maybe, are they trying to trade Matt Stafford at some point, you know, after the draft if they did that? I would just be shocked. I just can't imagine. Again, I know we've discussed this, you and I, before, but in Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, make or break year, bring in a guy like Tua. We don't know if he can play year one. He's a little risked there. And, yeah, it just, I think, would throw the organization in disarray right now. They need something, st- you know, stable. And Matt Stafford is the best player on their team. And I think if they're going to win, they need him to be there to help them out. Uh, so I would just be shocked if they went the quarterback route this year. Okay, the Bears, Colts, and Patriots all reportedly have interest in the red rifle Andy Dalton, the Bengals quarterback, since he was drafted in round two back in 2011. If I was one of those general managers, I'd give up blank to acquire El Diablo. Well, yeah, I like that. I would say, you know, and I would expect all three of these teams to be in this conversation for Andy Dalton. You know, I would say a third rounder, maybe a second. Okay, now I say third rounder. Okay, and I look at it like this, like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The San Francisco 49ers traded traded to get him for a second round pick. I think Andy Dalton has more, you know, pelts on his horse than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did at that point. So he's worth the second round pick for sure. But the other thing that plays into this, right, Mike, is we expect, we know they're going to take Joe Burrow. As of right now, that's what we think. So they lose less leverage because of that a little bit so I and I know they're not just going to sell them for free so I would say I would offer a third at first kind of get a gauge for the market and then maybe if you got to go to a second round like you're New England and you're picking towards the second in the round then maybe maybe I would do that but that I would be thinking third at first see they don't need to sell this idea that maybe we'll keep Andy Dalton when you've got multiple people at the auction when you've got two or three teams that want him and they know there's another alternative they can bid up the price even if everyone knows the Bengals are done with him. The wild card in this is the $17.5 million salary he's due to make this year in the final year of his contract Right? because you'd like to extend his deal. Well, what's he worth? You're trading in a very affordable final year of his contract. You don't want him to walk out the door after one year, 
But what does he really want? And does he want to go? I think that's part of it, too. Which team does he want to go to? Because you can't trade into a team he doesn't want to be with. You need your starting quarterback to be all in. So I think that a third rounder makes sense. I wish more teams did draft picks based upon what the guy does when he gets there. And I know that pushes the compensation into the next year. But I think it would be more fair to tie the compensation to what he does. If he takes you to the playoffs, you get a higher pick. If he wins a playoff game, you get a higher pick. I mean, that kind of thing. But I'd say third rounder makes sense. We all think that the Patriots didn't get enough for Garoppolo with a second rounder. Um, But I I think a third rounder is fair for Andy Dalton, given where he is right now in his career. And given that you're going to have to solve this contract issue right out of the gates, Chris. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I I hear that all the way. And, uh, you know, Andy Dalton is, again, another one of these pieces. What what plays into all of this, again, what we're talking about is Brady, Phillip Rivers, that whole conversation. Where do they go in this whole thing? That's going to dictate Andy Dalton's future as well. Uh, But I'm not shocked to hear any of those teams. And, you know, the the Bears are the one team you – I always thought from the get-go that made sense there. Um, But, you know, I get the Colts and Patriots have an interest as well. And I think it makes sense for the Bengals to get in on this now and try to line something up before free agency even starts. You know, you can work out a trade that becomes official when the new league year opens on March 18 because you don't want Andy Dalton to be one of the quarterbacks who's standing around when the music stops after free agency and the money's been paid and, and there's no seat for him. Now's the time to get maximum trade value for Andy Dalton because you get him to one of these teams that is trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do next year and they want to remove the uncertainty. This is a way to do it. All right, according to the South Florida Sun Sentinel, Washington has told Tua Tonga-Vailoa at the scouting combine that he could be drafted to compete with Dwayne Haskins. A report from a Miami newspaper about a prospect the Dolphins would have to trade up to acquire is... What are are we asking there? Would have to trade up to... What are we asking there? Yeah. the, the point is, the point is, there's a Miami newspaper in right. the town where the Dolphins is that's reporting that basically on a quarterback that the Dolphins would have to trade up to get. So is it is it bogus? Is it credible? Yeah, it's a smoke is it screen. Compelling. I don't. It's a, I, it, that's it, my point. To me, okay. I just wasn't sure how we were, what kind of answer we were looking for there. But yeah, I mean, I see hey, this talk. Hey, anything other than you puking in the trash can is an improvement over last week. Thank so you. you can say whatever you want. Okay. All right. That's good. And I won't be puking here, so I, sh- I should be good. <laughs> but uh, I, I, to me, right now, I just feel like Washington's laying like smoke screens out right now. They're the, they're in the prime position, the number two pick in the draft. Uh, we know that there's the chase young market of course we know there's teams that are hungry and thirsty for quarterback play too and I feel like from the get-go here and again I have no inside knowledge here but it just seems to me like they're playing the oh we're not sure about Dwayne Haskins and we might take a quarterback here to drive up that asking price in case somebody wants to do business there and get into that number two spot Uh, so I, I don't know I don't know if I'm sitting here necessarily buying it from the Washington standpoint point that you know I heard you know they might they told Tua we might bring you in to draft you or compete with Dwayne Haskins I think they probably told Tua that knowing Tua's going to tell some other people that and it continues to stir the pot here in this whole conversation so I'm not quite buying it yet and uh, I don't know I just have a hard time with Dwayne Haskins have they seen enough to abandon ship and move on and then you're going to waste another top 15 pick on a quarterback I don't want to say a waste but you know use another top 15 15 pick on a quarterback, I, I have a hard time, I guess, digesting that right now. Here's the other thing to keep in mind as yeah. well, and, and and I think it's an important aspect of what Washington is going to do with that pick. 
in order to engage in the most informed and viable trade discussions, you need to know everything you can about the player because you're not trading the pick. You're trading the player. So you do the full workup on Tua. So if Miami calls, you can counter everything they would say, and you can say, here's why we think he's worth X. Right. Because we talked to the kid. We love the kid. Right. We invested the 15 overall pick last year, and we'd take him. And maybe we will take him. Maybe, you know, that's the whole idea. You want to make the Dolphins think yes. that the, the Washington franchise may take him and the Washington franchise needs to know all about him so they can hold firm in trade dis- discussions to maximize their return. This is their chance to turn the tables on some unsuspecting team the way they got screwed eight years ago in the RG3 trade. They moved from six to two and gave up way too much for RG3. Now they get a chance to get somebody to give up way too much potentially for Tua. All right. Next one, the Cowboys reportedly planning to use the exclusive franchise tender on Dak Prescott. The exclusive tag for Prescott means blank for his future with the Cowboys. Nothing. It means nothing to me. It doesn't matter. Franchise tag, exclusive tag. I don't think it really changes my thought. I mean, you probably have a smart, smarter answer than me here, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, they've got to get a long-term deal done. And, and exclusive tag, franchise tag, it doesn't matter. Dak ain't going to be there no matter what kind of tag you got on him. Until that tag is t- torn off and you've bought him now, okay, and it's, it's no more on the shelves at the retail store and he's your property, uh, you could tag him with whatever hell for, phrase you want to. He ain't coming around until he gets a long-term deal. You know, I really debated giving you a hard time for saying Botten. I know, Botten. Because you had a like rough that? week It's all right. Give me, a, yeah, give me a hard right. time. I mean, when I said it, I was like, wow, that was full stupid right there. But I was too deep into my thought. I couldn't I couldn't backtrack after that. Here's the problem. If if they use the franchise tag exclusive level on Dak Prescott, they have bought themselves at least $31 million under the tag this year, a 20% raise next year. Why not go year to year? That's what Dak Prescott's eventually going to realize. And the higher the tag value, the greater the second year is, and the greater the third year is. Year three, it's a 44% raise over year two. You're talking about astronomical numbers if Dak Prescott goes year to year. And I've been waiting for one of these shortlist franchise quarterbacks to do what Kirk Cousins did with Washington a few years ago. Just play year to year under the tag. Now, the other question becomes, if Dak is tagged, will he withhold services? I mean, maybe he signs it right away and shows up and says, I'm going to have a great year, and you're going to tag me next year, and I'm going to have another great year, and then you're going to be stuck, and I'm going to become a free agent after two more seasons, six years total in the NFL, and I'm going to be able to hit the market unfettered and go wherever I want. So I think it actually, if they use the exclusive tag, I think it actually makes it less likely he's there over the long haul than if they would use the non-exclusive tag. Well, the, the one thing I'll say to what you're saying, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying from the business standpoint. And if there's a, you know, a quarterback, a big soldier who could, you know, you know, bet on himself to stay healthy and do that, it would be Dak Prescott. I mean, you know, again, other than Cam Newton, you're not going to find a whole quarter, a whole lot of quarterbacks that physically look the way Dak Prescott does. I mean, he is a, he's a man. I mean, he really is. He's thick, strong as hell, in shape, all of that. Plus, we know with the way the rules are for the quarterbacks right now, a gamble like that is less dangerous than it was in the 80s and 90s to protect the quarterback. So you could do that, certainly. But it's still risky business, and uh, I, I just don't recommend it. And, and, you know, with the exclusive franchise tag, too, if I'm Dak Prescott, like, that's what I would do something, like you said, Mike. Like, maybe sign it. I would show up, start learning 
running the offense, doing things like that. Oh, hey, you're going on the field. Sorry, guys. I got the exclusive tag. I got to go home. I'm exclusively not going on that field to give you reps. That's not happening. I would just play hardball like that. I would learn the offense. But as soon as it went to like, oh, we're going to go on the field. Oh, it's time for OTAs. I'll be exclusively in my Ferrari in the parking <laughs> lot. And I'll see you later. Okay. I mean, that's what I would do to them. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, speaking of a hardball, there are players who want a strike in 2021, and they are willing to, to put together a strike fund to make sure that all players have enough money during a work stoppage. We'll break that down next on PFT Live. Hey, guys, what's going on? This is Mike Thompson from the Los Angeles Chargers. Look, guys, I'm just trying to give you a quick update on some of this stuff because I think a lot of the young players have to kind of confuse what's going on. In 2020, we're playing this season regardless, whether we sign a deal today or wait and do a strike. So don't get that confused, guys. And if we go into a strike, each player from each team will get $250,000 for that year, for that year-long lockout. And then you'll get a withholding of three Madden checks that we've been withholding for the last three years, which would amount to about $60,000 after taxes, $30,000. Guys, do not worry. If we go on strike, we will make sure every player is taken care of throughout the strike. The screen says Marquise Pouncey, and he very well may have put it on his Instagram page. That was Mike Pouncey, his identical twin brother. And Mike Pouncey, Mike Pouncey, no profanity. The video we saw last week from Marquise Pouncey about the CBA, my goodness, Chris, it's like he's carrying around the Sims Dictionary and turned to page F uh, over and M, over and over and over again from Marquise Pouncey. Here's the bottom line, though. So I, I admire the effort. And, and I, look, I'm just reporting on this. I have some thoughts, and I understand why the upper reaches of union management want to get this done now because they genuinely believe the TV money could be less later than it is now. But, you know, these guys are trying to put together a strike fund, and they're going to quickly find out that there are some real questions about this. Once you start putting real money together, who manages it? Where does it go? How do you keep track of it? How do you decide who gets how much? Sure. Is it based on a percentage of what you're earning, or is it a flat rate for everybody? Are they going to go on the honor system? Are, are there going to be guys who who try to get more than maybe they need? Are they going to say if you make a certain amount or have made a certain amount over the past 5, 10 years, you don't get any because you should have enough saved? This is this is uh, uh, the, the, the old it's saying, ambitious. and I used this last hour, No good deed goes unpunished. That's what they may be stepping into with this because this could end up being a huge, huge mess at a minimum requiring multiple people to work on it full time to to keep their – you know, keep track of everything and make it all work the right way. Yeah, no, and you're right. I mean, it, it's ambitious. Uh, that's what I was trying to say. I mean, this is not easy to do. You're right. I mean, you're gonna always, you're gonna have to open up a business basically to keep track of the business itself, and uh, that's what's scary. Also, along with that, I mean, are they really gonna be able to get enough veteran players to then donate two hundred fifty thousand dollars? And of course, it's going to have to be you know the top tier wealthy people in the NFL donating that two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So it trickles down into the right hand. So, yeah, a very, very tough thing to do here. I'm not so sure they can pull it off. I like where their heart is in this whole situation and all of that. I get it. But, again, to that low-level, let's say, vet veteran player, you know, year four, year five of his career, and, you know, whatever it may be, man, is he really going to give up a year of football just because it's $250,000? One, he's going to make more than that. Two, it's another year that can count on your four 
401k plan and have money matched by the owners to help you protect you later in life. So there's a lot of different things here at play that the players got to, uh, you know, take into account. And, you know, I don't know, Mike, what, what do you expect? Do you think if you're a player, are you voting yes for this when this ballots go out to the rest of the league right now? Where, where do you stand on it? It depends on which player I am. If I'm a guy who's scratching and clawing with the bare minimum, I'm voting yes. I can understand why there are star players who do the quick drive-by saying no. They've got their money. They don't want to play a 17th game. Aaron Rodgers trying to squeeze the offseason program down to nothing. You know, there was an effort last year by someone in Chicago to create a union that was only running backs. And you could make the argument that – Every position group needs to have its own separate bargaining unit. You know, kickers and punters and long snappers and holders. Like, yeah, well, let's play 20 games. Let's play 30 games, right? Right. They keep paying us. Well, we don't get hit. You know, so you, you've got linemen who should feel one way about 17 games. Quarterbacks feel a different way. Specialists feel a different way. Receivers feel a different way. This really does and, – and we see this problem all the time in football, whether it's the Hall of Fame – Uh, voting you know you get a bunch of different sizes and shapes of players into the same bucket and it's hard to treat them all the same way and I think under this CBA my vote would ultimately be driven by my interests and my interests are going to be driven by who I am how long I've played and how much I'm making yeah I I, I get that I mean you do you got to do that selfishly now these like these players who were you know these these top tier you know cream of the crop players who are making a ton of money I do think their heart's in the right place with like what the pouncy twins are trying to do I do but you're right it's a lot easier to make that stand when you have a lot of money in the bank account already as compared to the guys that don't who are sitting there going man I just I Chris Chris I'd love to know why these guys are saying no is it as simple as we don't want to play 17 games or are they misinformed on some of the terms you know you've got some people who are involved in this like Russell Okung who may have an agenda to just disrupt he's trying to take over the union as yes, the president sure. And, and, you know, you've got, you've got all sorts of things happening in this giant stew of NFL players. We'll be back with another hour right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.